Principal Matters Podcast, episode 312. Friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about ideas for teacher recruitment and retention with my guests, Christy Kirshner and Danny Massey. Principal Matters listeners, as you know, across the U.S., schools have been responding to teacher shortages, and as most recently as September 1st, 2022, the White House announced recruitment partnerships to address these challenges. Groups like the National Center for Grow have partnered with states including California, Florida, Missouri, North Dakota, Texas, West Virginia, and Wyoming to design apprenticeship programs to help shape policy and provide feedback to the Department of Labor. In Brazos Sport Independent School District south of Houston, Texas, education leaders there have launched innovative programs addressing this need as well. And this week, I'm joined by my friends there in Brazos Sport ISD, Danny Massey, the superintendent, and Christy Kirshner, chief human resources officer. Now, normally, I do some long introductions to my friends as I'm getting ready to introduce them, but I'm going to have them introduce themselves so you don't have to keep listening to my voice this whole time. So, Christy, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and something else listeners might be surprised to know about you. Okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having us, Mr. Parker. Um, my name is Christy Kirshner. I'm the Chief HR Officer here at Brazosport Independent School District. I'm actually entering in my ninth year um, in education, um, in my fifth year with Brazosport ISD. Um, in a past life, I like to say that I started my HR career in industry and manufacturing and oil and gas. Um, but I quickly found my way to where um, the most amazing product of all is our youth. Um, and so supporting, you know, human capital needs um, for the school district has been nothing less than exciting um, and just super rewarding. So thank you for having us. It's great to have you. Danny Massey, why don't you introduce yourselves to listeners? Yes, I am the proud superintendent of schools of Brazosport ISD. This is my 33rd year in public education, and it's my 31st year in Brazosport ISD. And so I have had a unique pathway here. I was a teacher and a coach at Brazoswood High School for 13 years. I was an assistant principal for four years. I was a principal in our district for, for another four years. And I was an executive director and assistant superintendent. And now I'm going on my eighth year as superintendent of schools. Again, all right here in Brazosport. I met my wife here in Brazosport. I have three uh, kids that have all grown up here and have graduated from, from our schools here. And so again, it's been a uh, unique and interesting pathway for me and one that I'm really proud of to have been in the same location for 31 years. Well, you should be proud. And I'm just going to give a shout out to those who may want to follow you on social media, because I'm just going to say straight up, Danny Massey, you do it right when it comes to celebrating your teachers and your students. I Every time I log in and see something going on there, I'm like, I want to be there. So do you even know what your Twitter handle is off the top of your head? If you don't, I'll put it in the show notes later. Yes, I do. It is at Danny Massey. 44 at Danny Massey, 44 principal matters listeners. You've got to check out Danny Massey's Twitter feeds. No pressure now, Danny, 
Um, but you definitely are doing such a great job of messaging and celebrating the work of your teachers and your principals and your students. I want to begin with some questions about how your district has been working towards this recruitment and retention dilemma that all of us have been facing. And I just want to say on the front end that I know every state is different, but the reason that I reached out to the two of you is because we're friends. And in our correspondence, Danny, you were sharing some of the wonderful things that were happening there. We jumped on a phone call together and then we jumped on a Zoom with Christy and I just took pages of notes. And I was like, there's no way that I can't share this with principal managers listeners. So I just want to begin with the question, can you summarize how your district's efforts in teacher recruitment and retention um, have enhanced your own um, work in light of teacher shortages? And I don't care who begins, you guys just decide. Yes, I'll start. And before I start, too, I wanted to also say uh, congratulations on your 300th podcast. I, oh, I'm a regular listener of yours and, and really benefit a lot professionally from the from the podcast and enjoy it very much. And I know there a couple of months ago, there was a celebration of the 300th podcast and the quality of the podcast to, to be able to sustain that. And so now that we're 312, we're just really honored <laughs> for that. And so, yes, I'd love to talk about uh, our teacher retention and recruitment efforts. And really it started about five years ago. The first what we believe was considered an innovative strategy was what we called our ghost organization. Mm. And this, uh, most of these strategies started with our board of trustees. We have seven uh, board members that are responsible for the governance of our district, and they're not educators, they're, they're lay people. And so sometimes it helps us as educators to to get out of our own way and think differently. And so we have a board of trustees that really pushes us and supports us to be innovative. And so without uh, a board like that, uh, we would not have been able to uh, do these things. And so the first thing we started up with and was an idea of one of our board members is what we call our ghost organization. And we are able to have positions and hire for professional positions before we have vacancies. And, you know, that doesn't seem that innovative in, in many other businesses, but in the education business, that's really not done very often. It wasn't, we didn't never did it. And I think most of the school districts in Texas rarely do that. You know, you never even considered posting a, a vacancy until you had a resignation. And, you know, you had to have the green form, the red form and the gray form all lined up in sequential order before HR would even consider uh, posting that position and uh, going through a selection process. But in as an education organization, we're very different than most other organizations in that we probably do 98, 90% of our professional hiring is in a really short two month window, two and a half month window uh, in, in June and, and July. And so it just really didn't make sense the way we were operating for so many decades uh, to wait until you had a vacancy before you considered hiring anybody. So we have 10 uh, extra positions that we carry throughout the year so we can use to, to hire people uh, to get ahead of attrition. And then the second strategy we started, again, about four years ago, was our Grow Our Own. And we found out we had uh, about 50 
paraprofessionals, teacher aides uh, in our district that had an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree. And uh, they were making about $20,000 a year, which our teachers make about, our first year teachers make about three times that. And so these were people that were entrenched in our community. They were here, they weren't leaving, and they were very good. They were very good with kids, but for whatever reason, they had not, uh, didn't have a pathway or an opportunity to get a teacher's certification. And so we provided opportunities and, and helped fund them to get their teaching certification either through a university or an alternative certification, depending on where they were at. And so we called that our Grow Our Own that we started. And then soon after that, uh, we began what we call our paid university interns. And we have a partnership with five universities in the state of Texas. And we pay interns to come and either do their uh, internship, a semester or a year long internship, depending on the university. So we pay them to do that. Um, and then we also have low cost housing for them so they can bunk up together. They don't have to pay a fee and, and they can share the cost of that, just like just like in college. And so you mentioned we're south of Houston, but we, we're we're way south. We're about 50 mm -hmm. miles south of Houston. And so we're not in an area that our closest university is about 50 miles away. And so we rarely had the opportunity to get teach uh, student interns uh, from universities to come work with us. And so, but the ones we did get, they liked it. You know, people that come down here, they, they, they like the area, they like the culture and climate of the school district, they like the campus leadership, and they would stay. And so that became a strategy for us is if we can get more university interns down here, then, then we can get more teachers. And, and we certainly have benefited from that. And so again, we have a partnership with different universities that they send us their interns. We pay them a, a monthly uh, rate and um, and we retain, we retain over 90% of them uh, stay in the district uh, with us. And then go ahead. No, that's amazing. Let me pause for just a moment because principal managers listeners already, if you're like me, you're, I hope you're taking notes because those are such innovative ways to think outside the box. Ghost organization hires where you have hires before vacancies, growing your own, identifying the people within your own district who may have begun degrees but needed to finish them, and then figuring out how your district can support them in the finishing of those degrees because suddenly you have someone on the pathway for teachers. And then your paid university interns, you guys have been doing that for a while. And now your newest program, I know you're getting ready to talk about next, which is your apprenticeship program, is just that next level for you. Yes, yeah, so I'll let Christy talk about that. This is, this is the one that's uh, really going to be a difference maker. Thank you, Danny. Um, yeah, so um, recently we've launched our apprenticeship program and really um, with a built-in residency pathway. Um, and so we started this work back in May, um, had our Department of Labor um, apprenticeship program approved with our two partners. Um, so Brasport ISD is actually partnered with a community college um, who actually has the, who offers um, bachelor degrees. Um, and then we welcomed a third party or a, a second sponsor, um, which is Inspire Texas, which is an educator preparation program by regional 
Engine 4, so through our service center, um, and they are actually the certifying entity, if you will, um, for our apprentices. And so um, really what the program, the apprenticeship um, has done, if you think about um, the areas that Mr. Massey just talked about, the grow our own, so individuals who already have their associate's degree or their bachelor's degree, um, the paid internships, so those pieces are still a part of our apprenticeship. I like to think about it as an umbrella, um, but the apprenticeship program has actually allowed us to go deeper, right, and to seek individuals um, who we've encountered who have over 75 college credit hours but have not yet earned an associate's degree. Um, that's 25% of Americans have, have college credits but not a certificate or a degree, right? And so the program actually um, creates four different on-ramps to where we can really meet people where they are in the program. And so the um you know the biggest component i think of a registered apprenticeship in the terms of department of labor labor is that it's high growth high demand high skill high wage and then in the end creates that family sustaining wage and so like mr massey shared our paraprofessionals on average make about let's just say twenty thousand dollars at the end of the program um their earning potential will be right at sixty thousand dollars once they graduate with their teaching certificate um and so you know, I think the, the biggest part about the apprenticeship program is understanding the barriers and helping solve those through just like we have to nurture our students, right? So um, kind of focusing on our employees, focusing on their development um, so we can support them and as a partnership, remove those barriers to ensure that we can help them through the finish line. Wow. Okay. So let me summarize and you guys make sure that I have this down correctly. So in your apprenticeship program, you're partnering with both community college, a community college in your area that will allow them to finish earning credits towards their bachelor's degree, while at the same time embedding them into your schools so that they're working with a veteran teacher who's helping coach them just like you would did for your university interns. And because you guys have partnered with the Department of Labor, then and with your Texas uh, Service Center, which is your credit your accreditation um, instrument, you guys with all of those relationships, you're being able to to on ramp those apprenticeships into full fledged teaching positions. So, what is your prediction in terms of someone who steps in? I know it's different depending on hours, et cetera, but on average, how long do you think it is going to normally take an apprentice? to work in that role before they're stepping into a full-time teaching position? Um, so the, the model is really set up like what you're used to with a traditional model of university model. So it could take anybody from one to four years. So it just mm -hmm. depends on where they are in their college journey. Um, but with the four different on-ramps, um, you know, the, the, the first on-ramp thinking in terms of four years, right? So very new um, into their college journey. Um, with the second on-ramp focusing on individuals who are really close to earning their associate's degree. So they would have about a three-year experience. And then, you know, so on third um, on-ramp three would have a two-year experience. And then on-ramp four is where that residency experiences where they're partnered 100% of the time with that high quality mentor teacher. Um, but throughout the entire process, so they're not only fulfilling, you know, a, a paraprofessional role within the district, which provides, you know, student supports, um, campus supports, teacher supports, 
Um, they're actually also getting to experience on the job training in terms of micro credentials. And so um, they're getting related instruction. They're having opportunities to demonstrate those skills in our classrooms um, and build their confidence. So throughout the apprenticeship program, um, before they enter into their residency, they're getting, you know, really building their toolkit, if you will, um, you know, and so that they have that experience moving in. And I like to share this is that, you know, you think about a teacher who's just graduated college or just earned their certification, they're going into a classroom on day one. Um, really what we're experiencing, our teachers work 187 days. So at the end of their residency opportunity, when they have their own classroom, it's like day 188, right? So that makes a big difference in um, teacher confidence and, you know, their abilities and their skill set um, and just how prepared they and as an individual feel. Um, and their own development um, to support our students. And their I learning. love that. Uh, and so, Danny, let me ask you, let's just talk nitty gritty about expenses and, and salaries, because I'm assuming that those apprentice, those apprentices, is that the plural? Those, uh, yeah, those apprentices are being salaried as well. And of course, when they step into teaching, that salary is going to increase. So what does that look like for you guys in terms of a commitment from the district on average for um, embedding those apprentices into those kinds of programs? Um, I, I can jump in and share. Um, so in, in terms of the apprenticeship, I mean, our first, our focus is to look at attrition. So what yeah. paraprofessional roles are vacant um, and how can we partner with our campus administrators to, to provide them, you know, top talent um, to fill those paraprofessional roles. And, and mind you that while they're in the program, we're upskilling them. And so, you know, their skills as they develop will positively impact their campus and student success as well. And so um, the opportunity to first look at internally and what vacancies do we have? Um, even, you know, what teacher vacancies do we have? Do I have a teacher vacancy where, you know, I might have a long-term sub or, you know, some waiting for a certification. Do I have any available funding to support an extra position where I could have an apprentice? Well, um, go ahead. Oh, and the last piece is, is understanding. We had our overwhelming response to the program um, and how was I going to place them all? And so, um, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, even the substitute shortage. So can we continue to upskill an apprentice and have a lot of their role as a campus support and floating throughout that campus to fill, you know, teacher absences where a substitute wasn't available. And so there's a lot of opportunity, I think, internal um, that you can look to to find available funding to support that wage aspect of an apprenticeship program. Wow, that's very exciting. Well, I want to continue down this same pathway with another question. And that's about your partnerships, because you talked a lot about the fact that this was something you did in collaboration with a number of bodies, the Department of Labor, your community colleges. So so talk a little bit about those partnerships. And then also, what suggestions would you have for other education leaders who are thinking about ways that they might could expand their own programs for teacher retention and, rec and recruitment? You know, I think entering into the apprenticeship space, I mean, it was important for each of us to really understand the climate and the culture of, you know, higher education for me as a district, understand the climate um, at a service center and um, an EPP and kind of what are those opportunities and, um, you know, so or, or what are those um, sticking points so we can understand the dynamics um, and then really agree to kind of what that common goal is. And 
of our partnership really and you know one of the the biggest highlights i think out of our partnership that has come which is the greatest benefit to our apprentices is the realization of our community college um, partners um then realizing the value that the educator prep program brings and the development of a teacher and looking at that coursework that's required by the state you know to meet the requirements and reviewing that coursework and applying that to college credit hours so they're crosswalking you know the coursework that they already have to do um, for the certification to apply that to their bachelor's degree so it saves both time and money and then we're having like 100 percent match on coursework requirements and so i mean i think that realization is the greatest benefit can almost take away a year of college they can get credit for the preparation to to support their bachelor degree programs and so um that was something that we didn't know going into the space but taking time to understand um the value and the work that each partner does um is how we we landed in, in that opportunity and like i shared you know benefits the apprentices the most well it's beautiful and what i love about it is that you guys are not waiting for solutions to come to you as you know, educators across the U.S. have been, and I know in my state specifically, we've had a, a record number of emergency certifications, alternative certifications, where the states are trying to figure out ways to find degree people to place them in classrooms, but then they're getting on the job training. And a lot of times they're trying to earn those credits outside of school hours, or they're trying to do additional prep time, or they're trying to, to meet those requirements so that they can find a standard certification at some point. But what you guys have done is you've you figured out how to find the people already that are the best candidates in your district, how to embed them into the programs that you that you have available, how to partner with the closest education partnerships that can help them finish degrees and help them embed that training as a part of their workday. And you're paying them, which I think is just so wonderful because you're not waiting for other people to find those solutions for you. You guys have begun to create pathways that are going to see a, a I think you're going to see ongoing um, teacher growth and recruitment from within. And as you said earlier, you had you had a, a very um, great response from your people in terms of people that were interested in this too. So it sounds like it's a program that in its first year has already been really popular among your own employees. Yeah, well, we, we, we just started this uh, three weeks ago. We had uh, our a hot onboarding session and a celebration uh, with our apprentices, apprentices, and uh, our first we held an information about a month ago. We had our first information session. We had about 170 people show up, which was incredible. You know, I mean, we we can't fill paraprofessional vacancies. You know, we can't get applicants, and and so we were really pleasantly surprised that we had so many people show up just for the informational session, and then we had approximately 150 people apply. Uh, and and then we went through a selection process and we end up uh, hiring 70, 70 apprentices uh, uh, to, to start this year, just a few weeks ago. So uh, Christy can talk more about what the percentage of where those uh, people are and which uh, on ramp they were. But uh, almost 40 percent of them were current employees of ours, wow. too. And so. Um, 
think that the other thing that's important to, to realize is that these people are willing to take the paraprofessional positions, long-term sub positions, substitute positions uh, where they weren't before because we're, we're struggling to get them, but they see, they see a clearly defined pathway for their advancement uh, in, in their career. Wow. I can add um, and tag on to what Mr. Massey has shared. So yeah, we we did extend um, 76 offers. Um, we ended with um, right at 66 apprentices that started with the district. And you know, we 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 lost a few, but some because they are too far in their current programs, it didn't make sense. But um, when they get further, we're going to welcome them back into on ramp four, right? So we can still participate in their development. Um, but you know, one of the biggest things that that we realized is. Um, 42, like Mr. Massey said, about 42, 42% are current employees. So the opportunity to upskill um, employees who are already committed, who are embedded in your community, um, equity and access, obviously, you know, that's tying straight into that when you're looking internal to develop um, and, and the impact to their wages. Um, I think the, the biggest part that we, um, that I love to celebrate is that 78% of our apprentices are actually seeking high need certification areas. I mean, we have seven bilingual teachers who want to be bilingual teachers in our residency. So, I mean, that's amazing, right? That's difficult to find. Um, but then even the emphasis, because we are a K-12 apprenticeship program, um, you know, the, the positive impact and ability to recruit into the apprenticeship program for secondary math, science, ELA, um, and then, you know, the, the demographics, you know, the, the candidates are also equally demographically diverse with over 55% of them, um, you know, being, you know, demographically diverse in terms of, you know, race, ethnicity, um, and I have to add this in because in education, I think it's really important. Um, but, you know, the number of males um, at our secondary level interest. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it's just been really eye opening. And I think the biggest part about it is, is that um, I shared this with Mr. Massey earlier. We have a problem that really others don't have, right? I mean, here we have 66 people that we get to develop to become a teacher. Some of them will be teachers next year, some the following and some the after. So um, the program actually provides short-term and long-term, you know, initiative to support those hiring needs. Um, but, you know, embedded in the district and then that commitment and retention, I think, you know, will all follow um, as we've all invested in each other. Well, and what I'm so impressed with too is just the comprehensive perspective that you guys have on that short term and that long term. Because you mentioned this earlier, Danny, but traditionally in education, we've 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 taught school, and then we get to the spring and we post openings, and then we do interviews throughout the late spring and the early summer. It's funny this morning I was looking back at um, some content from my first book because I was getting ready to do some training um, early this morning, and I came across some notes that I had written down my first year as um, when I moved from assistant to, to principal, there had been a retirement in that building. And I had made a note that that summer I had hired a dozen, 12 teachers and eight staff all within just that spring, just within those, that, that tiny little spring summer. And I, when I look back at that time, I'm, I'm realizing why I was so tired <laughs> because that's a lot of people to hire in that tiny little window just for one building. And so you guys are thinking so far, down the road with your ghost um, organizations, with your uh, university interns, with your apprenticeships. 
And I want you to share a little bit of um, celebration because you've also seen some really great outcomes as a result of your innovative approaches. So why don't you brag on a little bit of what some of these things have been doing for your district even before you started this apprenticeship program? Yeah, we've made dramatic improvements in our uh, student outcomes uh, from our innovative um, really our innovative uh, payment structures also mm -hmm. and so we we've turned had some really low performing campuses six seven years ago that are now very high performing campuses uh we have a state accountability system in texas like like no other probably <laughs> and so we we've uh, uh we were rated an 89 this year and we have uh, uh 5a campuses and so um you know, six seven years ago, we we had we had F campuses. We were really underperforming uh, in in our district, and so it, we've really been able to turn our student our student achievement uh, around. And especially in uh, uh, really uh, high poverty areas too, that was where we were really struggling, and uh, something that we're really proud of because we we couldn't get teachers. Uh, I mean, we couldn't get quality teachers in some of our higher poverty schools, and. So so uh, coming up with some innovative ways to get better teachers, uh, you, you know, it's it's not it's not rocket science. You know, you get better teachers in the class, you're going to get better student performance. And so we had to it wasn't how can we get students to perform higher? The question was, how can we get better teachers? Uh, and so uh, we, we have a small campus in Freeport Lanier Middle School that was really underperforming. It was a uh, F-rated campus for several years. And um, we paid a, a, a stipend, a $10,000 stipend uh, for uh, teachers to meet a certain, they had to meet a certain level of qualifications. We called it a master's level teacher. They had to have um, evidence of proven success with student outcomes, and especially uh, in high poverty areas, economically disadvantaged students. And so uh, our board committed to that. We had um, 10 uh, $10,000 positions uh, stopping. And uh, so we immediately, immediately uh, got better teachers there because of the $10,000 stipends. And immediately our student performance increased. Our kids learned more because they, they had uh, much better teachers. Um, I love that. And Danny, what I love too about your story is, and I'm just going to give you kudos for just a minute, 31 years serving in the same 33 years as a career 31 years serving in the same school district where you've served as a teacher a coach a principal superintendent now and you've had the opportunity to see the challenges that your district has faced and then to be a part of the solutions for them too i know a lot of leaders including myself that have served in various roles in a, a variety of places but the fact that you've stayed in one's place and you've been able to watch that trajectory of growth. And I'm not saying this because Danny Massey's perfect. You know that I know you, but I am saying this because I do believe that your, your community has a lot to celebrate. And, and part of that is just the perspective that you have historically, as well as the perspective that you have for the future and being able to look comprehensively across that landscape and see why it's so important. And I, this is where I want to wrap up this, this part, why it's so important that we invest and commit to quality teachers for all students. Because you and I both know 
that student outcomes are directly tied to the quality of this classroom instructor that kids have. And we also know that the quality of those instructors is directly tied to who their principal is as well. And you and I have shared, Danny, in other settings about how important it is to make sure those building leaders have that vision to equip their teachers. So I want to wrap up this part of the conversation. And Principal Matters listeners, we're going to do a part two in this conversation because there's more information I want to share with you from Danny Massey and from Christy Kirshner. As we, um, but as we wrap up this week, I just want to thank both of you for the work that you're doing at Brazil Sport ISD in Texas. Thank you for all the work uh, that you're that you're investing in with future teachers. And until next time, Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. Now, as we wrap up, I do want, in case this is the, the, the one time people have an opportunity to meet you two, how can they stay connected with you both what, uh, by email or through your website so that the, if they have questions, they can reach out to you directly? Christy, how can they connect with you? Yeah, definitely um, via email um, through our Brasport ISD website, but christy.kirshner at brasportisd.net. Um, we also are pretty active on our HR page on, on social media, on Facebook as well. So you can look our HR our, our HR page up um, through Brasport ISD Human Resources. Great. And Danny, how can listeners stay connected with you? Yeah, e- email uh, dmassey at brasportisd.net. And you can also get my email on our website, brazosportisd.net, or message me through Twitter. There you go. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I know you are probably already thinking about possible things you could be doing, ideas that you can have. And if you're like me, you're going to want to reach out to these great education leaders and find out more. So until next time, thanks for doing what matters. We'll talk to you next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.